Gonna have a real good time together We're gonna have a real good time together We're gonna laugh the child together Have a real good time together Hi, it's uh, Jokerman Podcast again. It's Evan. And Ian. And our guest today to talk about new sensations is Alex Cameron. Hello. The one and only. Australia's finest. I really am interested in in this album because I, I, I came across it via um, another Australian songwriter, a friend of mine, uh, Jack Ladder. Mm. Oh, Jack Ladder's been friend on of the, the program. show. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. And I when when uh, when I heard you guys were doing this this record and and you guys asked me to do it, I was thinking, shit, this is this is very this is Jack Ladder territory we're in. But <laughs> but he used to do a cover of um, of Red Joystick. Did he? And it wow. was so good. Wow, Full band, and he would like just they would they would really take it there. And um, we got to find that. Yeah, I don't know if he ever tracked, ever ever recorded it, but um, so whenever I I put this this record on, I I think of him. I'm glad to be talking about it. Also, other news: I bought a 2001 uh, Lexus ES300, and so I've spent the last week driving around listening to new sensations, and it sounds so fucking good in a 2001 oh, oh, sound I system. Bet. My That's God. fantastic. <laughs> Were you listening to it on CD or uh, on a cassette? Yeah. Okay. Cassette. Cassette. All right. That's mm-hmm. that's the best uh, way. I think you probably the only better way to listen to this record would be on a, a GPZ um, right. while you're riding through uh, the Delaware Gap in yeah. 40 degree weather. That'll be a little hard to hear it through uh, all of the wind rushing through your head. And that's how a, it's meant to be heard with a belly yeah. full of burger yeah. and coke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I like obviously there's a lot of like in the, the videos he's on like. You know, motorcycles and and uh, using payphones and payphones, payphones, payphones. All over this record is, is yeah. payphones. Uh huh. It's cutting edge. It was that was. It's like when I when I sort of was, I wrote a song about the internet, and I I, think, I remember the the pillar of like you should be writing about current technology is is basically Lou Reed because he's all he's either talking about telephone or watching the TV or oh, totally. he's always talking about contemporary technology, joysticks, joysticks, and, uh, <laughs> these know, things that are a part of, you know, our life now, yeah. but at the I time mean, we're all it was, using the joystick, right? Yeah. Well, this was, it was new then. And now it's like, you know, everyone's just like, yeah, my joystick, my joystick, everyone's talking about my joystick, this, my joystick, joystick that. Yeah. Like getting that joystick fixed. You're going to, the joystick isn't working. When you're, properly. When it's in the shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all know that feeling, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's a really good point, is that, you know, Lou Reed, I think we, we talked a lot about how on the last record, we we, we were talking about um, uh, his kind of embrace of 
of the average guy mentality mm-hmm. um that he he wrote a song called average guy and then he wrote a whole record uh at legendary hearts which is just kind of like music as we put it by and for the man on the street this is mm. just regular guy it's just mm-hmm. music by a guy yeah and then this is an it's it's that but taken into uh into another place where he's he he's not doing a bit at all. He's just he's just living his life. He's buying electronics, and yeah. he's uh, riding a, his vehicles. He's having a great time. It's it's so like if I'm ever getting like caught up in like you know sort of people's you know perception of me. You know, I'm talking like just socially here, not necessarily like through the perspective of trying to establish a career in music. Sure. Um. Lou Reed is like this really good and always has been for me ever since I first heard his solo stuff a good like palate cleanser like oh wait who gives a fuck like <laughs> Lou Reed did all of this stuff and without like and and some sometimes about the most mundane or most average subjects but always about just life and it, it almost makes me feel better about just living you know, oh, not even yeah. not even talking about writing at this sure. stage. You know, like it just makes me feel like there's so much to be to be had in the in the smaller moments. Maybe I'm I'm getting a little too no, no, ahead of myself. You're getting right to the heart of it. I think it's uh, I think that's well put. This is kind of a record that you know expands on what it is to be just living your life as a modern man um, and. I think that's kind of like the attempt that he's making throughout a lot of his work, especially the solo work from this point on, is to try to find this uh, profundity within that mm. by by kind of forgetting to look for it at times. Like he just right. does it. He just writes songs. Uh, I don't think this is my opinion. I actually think this is this is Jack Ladder's opinion. But I remember he's a very Lou's a very underrated guitar player I bet that's been said 10 times in this podcast already sure um listening to his guitar playing I mean I was reading about the record last week and he had a falling out with the guitar player I read yeah Robert Klein yeah exactly and ended up having to do a lot of the guitar himself and I've I've ever since since Tim Jack Ladder pointed that out I've had such a different experience of listening to Lou Reed's records because it's, I love his like rhythm guitar playing. It's like maybe, I don't know in terms of like style and, and groove and like being able to capture like, well, here's, here's, I guess the point I'm trying to make roundabout is when he, when he makes music, he seems to be able to embody characters in a way that it sounds like probably the music that they would either listen to or make if they could make music. Hmm. Yeah. And so there's not, a, there's never a, never a disconnect between the style of music and the way that it sounds and the lyrics. It's just this really perfectly uh, accurate and just like this, like it just feels, I don't know. It's feels strange. Everything's aligned. Yeah. It's, it's very grounded. Yeah. Walking towards the same. Yeah. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a a record that I think takes those like those really intense moments that you have on Blue Mask and 
just kind of makes them it's it's functional music like you said like it's kind of music that is um meant to fit into i think the the life of like the your day to day like it sounds like what you're saying is that this record is sort of a put it on record as it's opposed a put to many on. other Lou Reed right records. yeah <laughs> right. it's a, it's a putter it's a putter on and uh put her not, on put not her only on. that though it's it's a record that i think is um this in particular one new sensations is about finding like a balance an equilibrium so i, I put it on I, I put her on um in the lexus i it was the day that uh, that Roy, my my business partner and, and saxophone player, and, and we love Roy. Friend. I hope I hope he gets to speak to Roy on this podcast because he's he loves Lou Reed and he's. We'd love to have Roy whenever. Yeah, come um, on, Roy. Come on, Roy boy. Uh, <laughs> he bought the Lexus and he drove to where we're staying out in Altadena in in uh, I guess in in Los Angeles, Greater Los Angeles, and um, and this was the first record we put on in the in the Lexus as we went for wow. a drive. And I've just, in in the same sense that this album, it, it, there's there are some anthems on this record that like when you when you like start a car up and you sort of peel out, and and I love you Suzanne comes on. There you oh, go. There's nothing Man. like that. You're having a great time. <laughs> we like wound the windows down, and I was like hooting and hollering, and like it was such a fucking vibe. <laughs> That's probably the best way to describe it. First song on the record, yeah. Love You Suzanne is a it's a vibe and a half. You yeah. got the video, which I, I have to say I've not been very familiar with. I maybe have seen it once a long time ago and I just rewatched it. And um one of the like all time great music videos as far as I'm concerned. I mean the his dancing. Yeah, the dancing, yeah. exactly. When you get to that and it's questionable whether or not that's actually Lou Reed himself right, pulling right, off those right. moves yeah. for all of them. But uh it's still it's a it's a pretty remarkable set of moves that he busts on the dance floor. Man, he's incredible. I wanna believe. I wanna yeah. believe. I, I love I, the intro too, where it's just the phone ringing, the phone, and then yeah. it finally gets to gets picked up, and he's just in the phone booth in the Blast dark. And, yeah. You broke my heart, and you made me cry. You yeah. said that, that I that couldn't dance. dance. Yeah, my God. But now I'm yeah. back to let you know. To let you know. And like to let you know is I, I've just I only heard the years <laughs> when I when I rewatched the video clip recently. Because I sort of, I think I saw the S in his. When I'm listening to, to on the record, yeah, I don't know. hear the years. Right. It's, but it's I, a similar to the Woik thing he does. Yeah. He says Woid. Yeah, Woid too. Woid. On, uh, on my friend George, he's like, hey, what's the Woid? What's the Woid? But then, he, then later in the song, he says Word. No, that's so what like, it was. It was Woid and wo- Word. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's totally an affectation, yeah. but it is a, it's sort of a traditional. Uh, use of of language um. he, and he's like re- been you know i've definitely uh, probably way out of context but i i uh have read quotes from lou reed where he's like only americans should do rock and roll and he's like <laughs> the british should not do rock and roll they don't know what they're doing yes and uh, i remember he, at he the time thinking that. when i when i read it i was like oh that's like not only like pretty funny but um you know if there's someone that can say that it's it's Lou Reed. It's Lou, because he's doing rock and roll. He's not fucking around. I mean, and this, he talks about you know, having his having. What does he? I don't know the exact quote, but it's like the 
the the souls in the fifties, but the hearts in the eighties, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. In, that's in Down in the Arcade. Yeah, this songs right. comes from the fifties, but it's right here in the nineteen eighty four or something. Right, like that. and I think the best thing, the best moment, pop culture moment for me is eighties doing fifties. Sure. I don't think anyone's, you know, because then you've got like, you know, late nineties doing sixties, and you've got like, you've got sort of different generations trying to recreate something you've got the mid 2000s or sort of the late 2000s doing trying to do 80s but the best is 80s doing 50s for me yeah i think it's yeah this was in the air everybody's rocking the neil record came out yeah a year before this so this like this and the wilburys are going to come at the end of this at the end of this decade the the roy orbison uh solo record with jeff run with mystery girl and stuff like this was in the air in the mid 80s for whatever reason you've got like crybaby got movies doing like oh yeah the 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 sort of greaser kind of Mm -hmm. like rockabilly thing and then lynch comes along and starts sort of enhancing that even more with blue velvet absolutely And so I just think there's nothing better than if I'm ever going to try and really do something. In fact, I probably always have been trying to do 80s doing 50s. I've just never really been like, I'm not American. You're not American. <laughs> you yeah, shouldn't I'm be doing American. it. Yeah, it's just not for me. <laughs> you should hang yeah. it up. Uh, you yeah. can try, but uh, yeah. you know, it's just going to be, um, you're, you're, you might not say void uh, right. on the first try. Right, you might right. have to try right. a few times. <laughs> I also, I really do, I love the idea of, the entire video being his fantasy and having not like yeah that's that's true it's like the, the video is a, his plan for what's going to happen it's a little yeah, hard also, to relate that over the phone the the dance moves and the front flips don't really come yeah. through when you're just describing them through a payphone receiver but i'm sure he would have figured it out somehow right it's also really cool to think about that moment where you the, the phone's ringing and you're planning what you're going to say yeah but then when the phone is picked up it's like can you actually say what you planned? Like all those arguments we had. It's like that song is just an argument he's having in his mind. With right, someone. he's just fantasy. He's building it up. He's psyching himself up the yeah, whole time. Just, and yeah, then exactly. she answers the phone. He's like, exactly. this is what I would, this is what I'm going to say. I love the idea of a relationship like failing and collapsing exclusively because the man can't dance. Like Lou Reed yeah. himself just like can't dance. Like That's yeah. the entire issue. <laughs> that's how things happened in the 1950s. Right. And I'm sorry to break this to you, but there were there were some really tough Yeah, if you couldn't standards. do the twist, it was, you were out, man. Not being able to dance, and I, and I don't mean like technically, I mean just the 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 feeling like I want to dance. Right. It, 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 was really, it weighed on my shoulders when I was younger as a kid. Mm. I remember you going to like, you, you weren't know, a natural dancer? And just, I, I just felt so silly doing it. But then and then I, I had a I had a girlfriend in high school who who always wanted me to dance but would just sort of play like I don't know, you know, like really like contemporary pop, sort of like weird sort of uh Ibiza remixes of pop songs and sure. like you know, what t- what teenagers listen to. Um who if they don't really like music. Right. Um <laughs> and so I was always like, I guess I'm just not a dancer. But then I started hanging out with people whose music tastes were similar to mine. And I was like, oh, I just didn't like dancing. It's hard to dance to, to that, that music. music. No, it's also hard to dance to music you like. That's, yeah. Like, I Love not... You, Suzanne. This is a great yeah. dance song. I would... You broke my heart and you made me cry. You said I couldn't dance. And now I'm back to let you know that I can really make romance. You do what you gotta do. You do everything you can. You do what you want to do, hey, but I love you, Suzanne. 
As long as your heart's in the right place, you know, yeah. and as long as you got to get your hips into it, you know, it's mostly yeah. a lower body thing as opposed it to is. an upper body thing. It is. You know, it not is. all of it's us are going to be big, as talented as anyone else. Hips. It's a big uh, I, I really relate to that thing of not being able to, I, I feel like I'm incapable of dancing unless so many things line up into perfect sort of harmony. I, I have to have the right music playing. I have to have had the right number and type of beverage. I have mm. to, it has to be the right kind of lighting. Um, and yeah, the person yeah. I'm with has to make me feel extremely comfortable in ways that are n- mostly not up to them. That's just all right. in my own head. Then if you, I might if, dance a little bit. Yes. If you can get <laughs> the strange thing is I feel more uncomfortable dancing on a dance floor than I would on stage. On stage, it's like, right. These it's, it's, uh, it's sort required. of a given you're yeah, up there. You're yeah, presenting for an audience. That makes yeah. sense. I see that. Um, one other note just on I Love You, Suzanne, before we move along, it is just uh, remarkable to note, like, this is Lou Reed trying to, like, turn himself into sort of, like, a second-generation, like, sex uh, uh, idol uh, for uh, the 1984, the Go-Go MTV generation, because he's, like, early 40s at this point, like, 42 years old or something, and Suzanne in this video, or whoever this blonde girl is, it seems like she's, like, 21, um, right. And this video is being played, you know, it didn't really get much MTV play, but I think that was the whole kind of idea behind writing this song and, and putting this video together is like trying to turn him into a bit of a pop star the same way that like Dancing in the Dark did for Bruce. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Not necessarily as effective for Lou as it was for Bruce, but it's just a funny, um, you know, uh, knowing where he was at just a couple years earlier. Uh, right. It's a pretty, pretty fascinating kind of it mode is, to it, catch him it, in. It, it, I mean, you. Everyone must approach at some point in their in their lives. Uh, I guess I can speak from, you know, trying to be a, trying to be a musician perspective. It's like at some point, right? When when I was like twenty years old, it was like, you know, I needed my mentality was like I need to be patient because if if I get too much attention on this early, it's going to establish what I am really early. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I do my best work now, I don't I don't I don't want to be thirty five and be compared to what I did when I was twenty. That would be my nightmare. So, I guess it's like at every every in every sort of musician's career, um, and you know, across across genders, it's everyone approaches it the same issue, which is like, is it time to stop being? the young person and is it time to start being the the sort of the the more like mature kind of like adult alternative am i right. wh- who am i aiming for here right and even if there's no even if in the past there's never been a distinct target for me i'm certainly i'm in my 30s now and it's like what's the what's the play in terms of the 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 like the art of it what am i not only what do i want to say but who am i trying to say it to yeah it's it's uh interesting question it's like who are whose fantasies are you trying to um access like whose imaginations are you trying to uh get going it's right what age do you uh all the things that you think about like what what are what are the kids into these days right right which is just a nightmare to go yeah that's me gonna try and do some sort of tiktok 
pop song would be. That's this fucked. is this is Lou's like this is Lou doing TikTok, baby. Right. Like, TikTok exactly. like, fucking camera videos. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds the record sounds really good. It and it sounds eighties great. Like it yeah, sounds it does. It sounds much more of the moment than I think uh either of the previous records do. Like Blue Mask and Legendary Hearts sound much more timeless than this record does. This record isn't quite as like locked in the eighties as like Mistrial is, but I think of um of lose you know all of his solo records this is one of the ones that's more like clearly from this particular period of time right yeah well there's that's that huge sort of gated reverb snare which is automatically gonna yeah put you Black. in that realm um but there's the the like sort of the slap echoes on things and it's i mean i i'm such i don't know if it's because you know that being born in the in the 80s means that I listen to a lot of, you know, you listen to a lot of music from the 80s growing up because mm. that's just how fucking time works. <laughs> um, but I've always got, I've got such nostalgia for that. I would, like, if I could make a record that sounded like, like, I love you, Suzanne. Like, if I had the skills to do it, I would, that would be the sound I would love. Oh, to you can accomplish. do it. Maybe that'll Come be on. the, uh, that could be the sequel to Oxy Music. Yeah. Yeah. You've, I got, think. you've done things that are, I think, even uh, in the, I mean, it's partly why I think it's synergistic for you to be on because I think there's certain, certain approaches here are um, detectable within your work. Right. And I mean that in a good way. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. The next song, for example, like Endlessly Jealous, there, well. there's just this like. <laughs> I don't this snappiness to the melodic quality right. of everything here that's just like it's immediate and right. uh it, it feels like it's just kind of like a uh mcdonald's hamburger just like handed to you and you can mm. eat it yeah totally it's just like totally ready-made well Well, that, I also noticed that Lou Reed, he doesn't hold notes very, very often at all. He's always very like spoken and staccato with his with his mm -hmm. vocal. Like eh, da, 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 da. every word is a or every syllable is a note. Sure. And and the other day I was I was like just thinking about my songs and 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 talking with a friend about it. And they were, my friend was like, "Why don't you try and like hold a note?" And I was like. <laughs> What do you mean? He's like, what well, do you never know <laughs> every, it's all just bop, 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 you know, even if it's bop, 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 it's all, it changes. Like it, he's like, just hold a note, just say a word and hold a note. Like, yeah, like I don't do that. And, I, that's and that comes just from, comes naturally comes from, to you. Yeah, I think so. But I think it also comes from like listening to people like, like Lou Reed and, uh, or like, you know, Leonard Cohen or something where it's sort of so hyper-focused on the lyric. Sure. That, that it ends up being easier to just almost speak through the melody, um, which is what I'm, I've always found that, that Lou does like exceptionally well with, with this sort of nonchalantness, which is fucking so charming. You know, totally. We did yeah, not that's... like this song, Ian, or something. Like, I... Well, no. I, I, what I was gonna say is that the, 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 he does admit to hitting the object of his affection in this song, and I was gonna say, song. Well, we, you know, right? Who knows? Well, I've, there's people do awful things in my songs, you know. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's they. 
Yes. Sure, I guess we can't assume that the narrator of this song is Lou Reed. This could be some other person. <laughs> right, right. So like, this is this is interesting because I, a couple of records back, I wrote a song called uh, Gaslight and recorded it and put it on a record called um, Miami Memory. And for the for sort of the, for the first time, Justin Nyson, who plays in our band and is a, a love Justin, friend, and you guys know Justin used to yeah, play with Oxygen. Um, for the first time, he sort of came in and was like. Just sort of naturally, like, oh, what do you think about this? You know, as we were like writing, recording the music, he hadn't heard the lyric yet, and he was like, "What do you think about this sort of melody?" And I loved it, and I was like, "Chuck it on there!" And so naturally, he ended up on the on the credits, on the songwriting credits, hmm. and then it turned into a song about like uh, someone who was really heavily gaslighting their partner. <laughs> and so he was. It was funny. He was like, "Wait, it's the only song I'm credited on a song about like a severely emotionally abusive the emotional person, abuser." Right? <laughs> It just looks like sort of he came along and it really helped out with that song. Drew from his life experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's funny to see like, it's just, it's so funny. But yeah, right. You have to sort of, people hit people. It happens. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't stop happen, happening because people stop putting it in songs. Sure. You know? Husbands hit their wives, boyfriends hit their boyfriends. It's like people, shit happens. And it's like whether or not we put it in, in our fiction is for me not even a question it's like well if you can't put it in your fiction then you're essentially ignoring it in reality right yeah i mean it's a fascinating combination because like a lot of this music does sound poppy you know and bright and and kind of you know uh, uh happy for lack of a better term uh but lou isn't like pulling any punches lyrically or anything you know he's, Actually, he's he, not he is done. Oh, yeah. well, okay. right. well, hopefully he's pulling his bunch. Uh, he is still throwing them though, um, uh, in so many words. Um, you know, he's not he's not dialing back his own uh, you know uh, goals or aims as an uh, a writer. You know, a lyricist. Even though the music is getting a little sexier, a little slicker, a little more kind of commercial. Cute shaven. Um, I I think that this song. I mean, I love. I, it's one of my favorites on the record, and I remember the first time I heard it, I was just like really um, delighted by exactly that, by like how candid it feels, like even if it's not literally true, which I mean, anyway, could be <laughs> for someone else to worry about. Yeah, it's uh, the point of the song being just like this this song that just admits to being kind of second rate like it's just like i'm just i'm jealous and i'm i'm mad at you it doesn't pretend to be above any of these emotions i really like the sort of when you when you walk that that tightrope it's like you if you want to speak about things you can't in in a song especially in a rock song you can't go about it too intellectually or else you'll just come across like you're you're judging like if you if you want to do a song about you know domestic violence and and paranoid spouses you don't want to start spouting out statistics and acting like you know everything about sure. it you kind of want to embody the person and someone that hits someone you know would probably say sorry i hit you right it's not the right medium for yeah. uh, some sort of like deep unpacking of the yeah. phenomenon of domestic violence or something right. it's just literally acknowledging that this fucking happens with certain yeah. types of people <laughs> under certain circumstances yeah i think anyone that's ever sort of tried to criticize me for 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 being you know uh they uh, i mean i really don't like the idea of, of being a provocateur at all i just like writing stories and 
whatever happens in them happens in them and I'll figure out why um and I've and not, no one's ever managed to say something that's that sort of pushed me off my my course which is to try and be as honest as I can with the, sure. with the music that I'm making um but there, there there is that one that's like um it's not your story to tell like <clears throat> that yeah. one it's like I'm not going to do a song about you know I don't know some historical event that had nothing to do with 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 me um but whenever anyone was sort of like oh you Alex is doing a song about homophobia that's that's not his lane I always thought like well I'm I, that takes a lot of assumption on their part is it, isn't not- it the person who's potentially homophobic who should uh you know like just your your average straight man like the, well, the type of people who get mad at right uh, right right well that's it you like you need I don't know for for me it's like I I've certainly never never like the I don't want to put pressure on the audience to figure out what my songs are about and I I really want it to be clear what they're about and so when I think about you know a song like Endlessly Jealous for me that's like the the best sort of example of really embodying a very a, a tiny moment it doesn't go as far as as uh jealous guy in terms sort of like which is another fucking bizarre song um yeah similar type of song though yeah it doesn't go as far as like you know you know trying to break down why things are this way this one's also more about i think a a, a relationship where both people are jealous right because he talks about that mm. he talks about endlessly jealous of you being endlessly jealous of me which is sort of like lenin tries to take all the blame by sort of passively putting all the blame on the other person. Mm. Whereas Lou's just saying this is a fucked up relationship and I'm sorry I hit you. Sure. It, it sort of like it poses this this question which is do you want this your song to be judging people or do you want your song to be relating to people? It's like yeah. two different things, right? Show don't tell. Right. Yeah, exactly right. It's like we want you want ideally people like I don't know. I found that there's no way through a, through a problem without some sort of confrontation. You know, in terms of like, if it's an emotional problem, <clears throat> excuse me, it requires a conversation. You know, and so with when things aren't out in the open and they aren't spoken about, that's when shit just fucking festers. So I'm, you know, my position is clear. I think I'm just like we've got to talk about this shit. Yeah, we got to we got we got to put it out there. We do have to talk about it, and we have to, we have to put it in in direct terms. Like, you can keep your dresses, you can keep your jewels, you can keep the color TV even, um, but you can't take my red joystick. You have to leave that right. for me. That's yeah. right. My red joystick, my red joystick. All I'm asking you to leave me is my red joystick. What are we talking about with this with this song? Good it's question. A red joystick. <laughs> it's, it's it's right there in the title. It, it's <laughs> like I mean, there's I've I've spoken about this song with 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 a couple of different friends over the, over the years, and sometimes there's like oh well, you know, it's an obvious sort of symbol. Mm. Is this guy just jacking off so at? much? Is this guy <laughs> just jacking off so much that it's gone completely red? And it's ruined his relationship, and his wife's leaving him. He's like, I don't care. I'm just going to sit here and like look at the cover, right? 
Yeah. He's got a red joystick there, yeah, and yeah. reading he's a little bit from the uh, the he's Lou. He's on the TV. The Lou, but he's also on the TV. He appears to be controlling himself with the red joystick, although the joystick isn't plugged into a gaming machine of any sort. Was, uh, did you guys? Did you guys like come across a Lou Reed video game? Uh, well, there, yes. Well, it's, it's a Penn and Teller video game in yes. which Lou Reed oh, makes a, a cameo, cameo Easter egg appearance as an unkillable boss who blows them both up into bloody bits with his laser vision. Christ. Uh, it's for but, the, uh, not the Sega Genesis, but the um, Oh, yeah, CD. Sega CD. Or, who knows? Ask the fucking I, I, gamers I online. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's a great point or a great segue, is this this record and this era in Lou's career gives us a fascinating persona to consider, which is Lou Reed the gamer. Right. This moment in time, Lou actually did own an Atari. Yes. And was one of the early adopters of home gaming, uh, according to his biographer here, Anthony DeCurtis. So he played games? This is crazy. Oh, he was a gamer, yeah. Look, I mean, look at the look, <laughs> look at the cover here, and we got down at the arcade coming up a little bit later. Yes, yeah, so um, this is with this is a, a sort of you know the the prototype for Lana Del Rey's video games, yes, right? Because this is you about know, a woman being disappointed that her partner is. It's is the other playing. side of, of video games. This it's, is the it's rebuttal the B side. It's yeah, the B side to video games. <laughs> you know, I, I actually did just make a playlist that is a an attempt to synthesize the 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 different like the the relationship that exists. I think believe between. Uh, Lana Del Rey and Lou Reed musically oh, and creatively. That's cool. That's and a apparently, really good... um, on on the uh, who is it that that also says this? Um, Tom Sharpling apparently has said for a long time he's been beating this drum about Lana and Lou Reed having this like re- this close. They're they're similar. Like, and they, I really think that he's onto something. And right. I kind of independently came to that too. And so did you, right right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's exactly. a real thing. I th- and I think even down to the way that they both. I mean, I, we could do a whole episode on this topic, but um, Tom, please come on the show. Uh, I think that there is there's something in both her writing and Lou's that is like a willingness to uh, fold in like contemporary signifiers like that and yeah. find poetic meaning with them within them, um, and. It, sometimes it feels clumsy or weird, but that's also like kind of the the price of doing business. You got to like risk that, and often those things age pretty well. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that about my red joystick, but I appreciate the attempt here to like mine this kind of burgeoning symbol of modernity for some kind of poetic significance, which it seems to be right. the whole point of this song. He gets very out there with the the yeah. biblical allusions at the end. Yeah, yeah. At the it, beginning, too. That's all the way through. The first bite of the apple made Eve smart is our first... Okay. <laughs> made <laughs> Eve first smart. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the yeah. red well, joystick, the red apple. There you go. Wow, well, look you, at that. You're decoding symbols. I mean, I, I, I also think about like how when when home video games sort of started to become a you know uh on a consumer level sort of available to people there would have been a huge cultural discussion about people losing their minds and there would have been a lot of like you know even when even when i was growing up you know in the 
in the early 90s that were still talking about video games and square eyes and people like going crazy and losing their imagination and all this stuff because of their well they were right they were bang on but this song is a this song is kind of like you know i get probably in some ways a, a, a response at least on the surface right to like a sort of the cultural idea maybe although i do can also very easily imagine someone asking lou to stop playing and he would just say no and sort of be like that's it you keep asking me i'm gonna write a fucking song about it <laughs> yeah, he would not be uh he would not be happy to uh relinquish his red joystick no no no, no that's not happening I, I I'm not, it's going to take me a while to fully unpack this song. I'm just going to tell you straight off the bat. I Are you reading the I lyrics know. right now? I mean, uh, we can do our own uh, Red Joystick revisited episode, like we did for Murder Must Found. Just spend three hours like digging that. into it. Well, you know, you should all, you should definitely ask Jack Jack Ladder Tim about this because he covered it and and it was fucking good. And they got the Red Joystick, sort of like the the backup singers. Yeah, Red there joystick. is. There is like an R&B kind of element to this record too uh, that I think rhymes a little bit. I was thinking like comparisons to previous records we've talked about his like this is as close to Sally Can Dance I think as we have Yeah, I, I was in, thinking that too. Between the music uh, and the, uh, you know, just the kind of like willfully stupid kind of approach uh, on certain songs uh, and the way that it sounds. It's, a, it's like a super sexual song. Yeah, it's like a, it's it's crazy that it's a sexual it's a, it's, biblical it's very, song about a joystick. About <laughs> that's a, the Atari. Who yeah. else but Lou Reed? Yeah, but that's it. Takes an artist, you know, somebody uh, with a, a vibrant imagination to take the Atari with games like Adventure and Pong, and just be like yeah. uh, making t- taking it all the way to the to the end of time. And, if you gave up major vices, you're between a hard place and a wall. And your car breaks down in traffic on the street. Remember, I'm the one who loves you. You can't always give me a call. Turn to me. Turn to me, baby. Turn to me. Let's move on to what I think is one of the the highlights. You got turned to me. You were talking about you're ch- champing at the bit to talk about this, Alex, because it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's it's always kind of strange when you listen to a song a bunch and after a while, sort of start to come to realizations. Like this might be a direct. You know, there are times when I listen to it as if it's he's speaking to his audience. You know, um, which is a strange way to sort of. It's it's a really cool way in the middle of a record that seems to be mostly character work to then have this moment that's like, shit, is he talking like with that lyric at least? You know, maybe not the whole song, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the song could be... I kind of interpreted it as maybe being about uh, God or, or being a religious song. Even. Right, right. There's like a ton of other biblical references on the record, so that that's an interesting way of... And probably, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's right in front of you. I think about things on such a, like, from such a, like, a personal perspective that sometimes the most obvious sort of way of understanding things is is, is presented to me later by someone else. Um, but, 
Yeah, well, I it's think, a song about love. That's for that's for sure. I'm interested to hear that you guys both have the same kind of like uh, positive connotation with this song. Because uh, for me, listening to it and especially coming back to it now, and like having Evan and I have talked a little bit about like his alcoholism trilogy over the last couple records, like Power of Positive Drinking, mm-hmm. Underneath the Bottle, and then like Bottoming Out on Legendary Hearts. This song, I feel like to me, and maybe I'm just looking for patterns that aren't there. But like this fits into that, you know, part of his right. catalog, and like to me, I've always interpreted this, or especially now, I've interpreted this as like him trying to write about alcoholism without actually writing explicitly about it. Like turn right. to me, I feel like turn to me. The me there is like booze, and would, he's yeah. trying to convince himself that he so, shouldn't though, because, do that. I mean, because I, of obviously, the line, you, when you gave up major vices. But when you're talking about Lou Reed's major vices, a man who has just gone through a decade plus of like heroin and amphetamine addiction, you know, he could qualify those as major vices and drinking as less of one. Yeah, maybe. But I, I, I see uh, what you mean. I really, I really like that reading. I, I you know, make I made a record uh, about substance abuse, and there are a number of moments where I was trying to pres- like write love songs as if the drug was you know like the opioid is almost charming you like mm. like wooing and and you actually do uh, you know form this sort of romantic connection with the substance that mm. feels like a partner sure. so that's not I, I that's i don't i don't totally disagree with that uh that interpretation cuz Especially that line, remember I'm the one that loves you. That's exactly. Like, that's quite yeah. a, that's quite like a manipulative thing to say to someone. Like it's like a, something a pimp would say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not making the claim that like my interpretation is like the explicit, like kind of like only right way to read this song. Cause I think totally it sounds happy and there's this beautiful backing vocals. And I think if, you know, it, it clearly could just be about, you know, a positive influence in his life, but tracing the kind of path that we have recently to me, it has just really struck that kind of particular that's meaning. A cool for way. That's reason. definitely a cool way of looking at it. Yeah. I don't hate, I don't hate that. I think you can do that or you could think of it as some kind of a, a, a religious thing where it's or some kind of faith yeah yeah thing, yeah where it's like that he's kind of acknowledging in this uh oblique way that there's something higher that he kind of is like well that's the a the aa thing right the higher power you know that's why we love rock songs folks there's no right answer mm-hmm. shut up ian yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean do you disagree <laughs> well i i we have we all have to believe we're kind of right i've tried to sort of build the 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 sort of template for it and the way i'm the way i've sort of i'm currently thinking about things is that there is good quality and there are things that i like and those aren't always exactly the same mm-hmm. sure there's clothes that you really like and uh, you don't always look good in right right there's a there's I, there's there's amazing books that i just didn't like you yeah know? That, that like I think there's a, it's important to dis, to distinguish what my taste is compared to what I know to be good quality because it actually helps me favorite versus best yeah yeah yes but on, on this show I think that uh, it's uh, your favorite it, is the best right right yeah. right right, right, right. <laughs> it's got to be in that episode and then we do the revisited episode we realize we were completely wrong we've got a higher batting average this time through yeah uh let's talk the title track because this one just fucking rips 
before we started, I was uh, I went on a walk and I was doing what I usually do, which is listen to the record again, like on a walk before we record. Mm. And um, I realized that we were starting earlier than I thought. And so then I I I had to get back. So I I hopped on a scooter. Um, you got on like a bird scooter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I was riding through Silver Lake uh, on a scooter, listening to new sensations as the sun was setting. And it was um, turns out to be it was the, it was the perfect thing to have happened. It's got a lot of time, so you can really settle into it. It is the longest song on the record, isn't it? I'm looking at the runtimes: five forty-one. Everything else on here is like yeah, it just three keeps minutes. Going. And every time you sort of mm-hmm. feel like it might wind, it's just like got that driving groove. And every time it might wind down, it just keeps going. Another like cheeky guitar riff comes in. Yeah, this is where the Luan guitar line. I like this is the, the the apotheosis of Luan guitar on this record for me, and the way that he and Fernando just really like kind of. I mean, on the previous records, obviously, it's like the dual guitar attack, Lou against Quine, the way that the rhythm and the lead interact with one another. But right. this one, this song in particular, it's Lou and Fernando on the bass just trading licks. Uh, you know, it's it's a really incredible kind of way that they rock back and forth. It's mostly a bass-driven song. There's very yeah, little guitar, he, actually. He, he, but when he brings it in, it's such a effervescent kind of tone, I think. It's very tranquil-sounding song musically um even though it's energetic it really just succeeds at at its title at its premise it like it feels optimistic yeah he just woke up on the right side of the bed and it's yeah, not like a mode that he typically inhabits lyrically you know he's like just yeah. talking about eating a hamburger and drinking a coke and like seeing people just random people in fucking pennsylvania at yeah. a diner that he yeah. like has a warm feeling for yeah it's yeah i, I love that like He's really kind of. There are those times where I find of, I kind of find, I'm like, oh shit, am I in a good mood? Like sort of, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna enjoy this, you know? Like I'm in a good mood. Oh, what the fuck? Where'd that come from? You know? And I really, I just like the, the idea of sort of writing a song about just being gifted with some, you know, new perspective or feeling or like, I didn't know I had any, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know if I didn't know I had any of that juice left in me. That's really nice to know, you know, um, the GPZ, you know, GPZ baby, (laughs) the air felt cool. It was 40 degrees outside. I I love that sense, uh, memory, uh, in the song. Like the, there's something very nice about the, that, that that's articulated in a song just like straight right, up not right, enough right. songs about having a pleasant day it's Wait, true lou wrote a, a classic song a, a perfect day come on yeah. that is that's a song about having a really great day yeah a really 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 good day <laughs> yeah. like so high on heroin and it's the first time and you're like this isn't even a problem yet and you're just like fucking beautiful <laughs> this is like perfect day but he's not um he's He's off heroin. He's on hamburgers and coke. Right. That's, that's, that's all you need sometimes. I I once was speaking to to it was actually a stranger I was talking to, and they were talking about how they just stopped stopped drinking, and and you know doing drugs and partying essentially, and and he didn't have like a, the strongest grasp of English, but I remember he said he was describing how blown away he was by. When he wasn't, when he'd stopped, you know, he had a month where he hadn't been getting high or drinking or anything. And he was talking about his friend called him up and said, Do you want to come and get a burger and a Coke? And he was like, Yeah, I do. (laughs) 
And he went and had a burger and a Coke. And he just describes it as being... He described it to me like... Like it was a new sensation. He was like, I didn't realize that this could be fun. You know, because when you're getting blasted and you're drunk, a burger is more of like a, let's eat a burger so I'm not so hungover tomorrow. Sure. Right. But when you're sober and you have a burger, you're like, holy shit, this is a burger. Right. <laughs> this is so nice. It's pretty good. Yeah. I took my GPZ out for a ride. The engine felt good between my thighs. The air felt cold. It was 40 degrees outside. I rode to Pennsylvania near the Delaware Gap Sometimes I got lost and had to check the map I stopped at a roadside diner for a burger and a Coke There were some country folk and some hunters inside Somebody got themselves married and somebody died I went to the jukebox and played a- It sounds like, it sounds like Lou Reed on a, on a, on a motorcycle Just taking the back roads absolutely yeah you almost you feel like you're on the gpz right there with them and then at the end you know when it blows up and you got the backing vocals and those synth stabs and stuff that's that's beautiful man it's it's very powerful too considering that you know he was just writing bottoming out like a song which is about the the being on a motorcycle in the worst way possible like being yeah uh, on the thing that is going to kill you because you don't care anymore. And he's just like barreling into oblivion. And this is the, the next day that he he survived all that. And he's, he's in control. He's at a point where he's feeling free enough to put on his own record a song that's just about how much he likes other people's art, um, yeah. which is, you know, as talk about like generosity of spirit and a sense of egolessness. It's it's a, mm. a very nice thing when that happens, when you see an artist um, inspired to make a song by other artists. Right. It's explicitly that this song doing the things that we want to. Yeah, right. There's like examples and I'm gonna pull the lyrics up. Yeah, he's pulling. Uh, he's re- the, the first half is obviously about Sam Shepard's play at the moment in time, which he went full, and saw. Full for love, I think. Yeah, full right. for love. Uh, and then it, uh, the second half, he segues into uh, uh, the work of one Marty. Uh, 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 and his Martin uh, Scorsese is that? That's how you right. His name? I believe. So. Mm-hmm. I believe. I believe so. Here's to Travis Pickle and here's to Johnny Boy. Growing up in the mean streets of New York. I wrote this song because I'd like to shake your hand. In a way, you guys, the best friends I ever had. There's a problem with uh, Martin Scorsese is his, uh, you know, he makes movies that are actually glorifying 
violence and and he needs to be stopped right exactly yeah it's it's like if 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 um you know if if i if i can't have like badness in myself then i shouldn't see badness on screen i just don't want anything bad ever to happen so it includes movies that have bad things in them that you know i just don't want art to have bad stuff in it yeah um (laughs) i would prefer it if just everything was good what becomes a legend most? What becomes a legend most when she's alone in a hotel lobby? What becomes a legend most? Some bad champagne and some foreign bottle beer. I think when you when you sort of look at at how this record is sort of presented i'm gonna fucking start crying it's like <laughs> i don't know it just it just means so much to me you know it's like i don't know it's it's really really special it's it's so special and i think i don't, I, I see a tie between this and somehow for some reason this specific song and like the songs on like songs for drella oh, yeah. sort of like more contemplative about there's this element of specific story but also about like the way the the passage of time and about like what grow what's actually what make its way into history that's what i really respect about him is that that whole sort of that whole scene is is like they were fascinated by life by legend by the idea of becoming a legend yeah which i think what this song's about it's about like the suffering of an individual and then um what really is the thing that passes into legend about your life like is it your suffering that becomes the most important thing or is it something else? And at the end of the song, it uh, becomes clear that it's, it's just a, a full, fully just a love song. It just goes straight into doo-wop mode. Baby yeah. tonight. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is just amazing reversal or it's like, he gets you, your mind to stretch so wide taking in this narrative of this kind of unhappy woman who's lost and then it's uh kind of just a, a, an embrace of of that subject and he's singing shalala and yeah 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 i gotta get some shalalas in there yeah. yeah that's that every man thing again you know it's like actually what's gonna be cemented in history uh, mm. uh everyday things yeah written into the the book of life or uh uh, we'll talk about uh, written into the book of life. Uh, book I would of not death. run from the holocaust. The holocaust. <laughs> I would not run from the bomb. I would not run from the holocaust. I would not run from the bomb. I'd welcome the chance to meet my maker and fly into the sun. Fly into the sun. Fly into the sun. I'd break up into a million pieces and fly I, I might run from the Holocaust, but not from the Holocast. Not the Holocast. Because mm. I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> um, impeccable. This, this song, I don't know, what do you make of this song, Ian? I love this song, Flying to the, the Sun. It's one of my favorites on the record. Uh, mm. It, it kind of takes a little bit of that new sensations, the song mode like musically you know it's kind of laid back a little kind of cooler it's less poppy there's less kind of obvious 80s touchstones to this and it's Lou just kind of like riffing here I think this is like 
you know, we can debate how much of this is told from the point of a character and how much of it is told from Lou Reed himself and how much of it is told from the Lou Reed quote-unquote character that exists, but, like, this seems like as much as anything on this record is him kind of, like, spitting and, and laying out the way that he looks at the world. Uh, I would not run from the blazing light. I would not run from its rain. I'd see it as an end to misery, as an end to worldly pain. Yeah. And that's I love that's this. as straight as it gets. I love the... You know, the earth is weeping, the sky is shaking, the stars split to their core, and every proton, an unnamed neutron, is fusing in my bones. Yeah. That and reminds unnamed... me a lot of uh, the later uh, record of uh, Magic and Loss. Mm. I mean, this 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 line, and an unnamed mammal is darkly rising as man burns. That one's so tomb. good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Say that again. And an unnamed mammal is darkly rising as man burns from his tomb. And I look at this as a blissful moment to fly into the sun. It's it's just like a he's just I mean for me I I love it when he sort of flexes a little bit and he's like by the way, Great like I know I'm you, I know I'm doing that I know I'm doing that but also like check this fucking thing out I just like basically painted a goya it's fucking strong man it I love strong. it when when someone who's like committed to a form sort of just for a very brief moment sort of winks at you and is like by the way like this is all coming from like sheer experience and knowledge i'm not fucking around this one to me is the the epitome of like a what more is there to say type of tune like yeah, it's that's just like what more is there to say. you listen to it you read the lyrics you hear you feel the way it all comes together that's it does everything for you right there yeah Far out. So good. Uh, one that maybe isn't like that uh, is the next song. <laughs> well, <laughs> my, my oh, this is, this is I mean, this is my favorite song on the record, by the way. Really? Your favorite you know, on the record? Okay. What, what is it about, about my friend George, Alex? Well, it's not the, the music itself is fucking amazing. The sort of like way that he's doing this sort of like, you know, it's got this sort of real pickup to it, groove-wise, mm-hmm. and which I which I love. And it's also, you know, this sort of like bluesy kind of like hard. It's got. It's just the music. <laughs> I love the, the music. Void? I love the music. It's got. What's the void? void. But I, what I what I what I kind of rem- in a in a strange way sort of reminds me a little bit of like maybe Iggy Pop or something like. Oh yeah. Of, like a sort of like five foot one kind of vibe hmm. like where he's just sort of telling this story about this strange person that he that he loved from his you know it must be georgie with his killing stick with his killing stick <laughs> like come on that's a guy i want to hear about it just <laughs> it i don't know it just excites me i can crank it and I, I i like listened to it on repeat in the car the other day i was just like singing it and driving um i don't know i think it's like you know, when you're Kate, when you're a writer that's capable, I mean, in the context of this album as well, when you're a writer that's capable of, of doing so many sort of like profound or creating so many profound moments, and then to just go ahead and tell a very specific story about a guy who's five foot six and he has a, a killing stick, and <laughs> and you grew up together and you just heard about it. I mean, it's so good when because he's like overhears someone talking about a guy going crazy, and they say he's five foot six, and then he says, "Must be Georgie with his killing stick." Yeah. He hasn't seen the guy in like twenty years. Hey, bro, what's the word? Talking about my friend George. Hey, bro, what's the word? Talking about my friend George. You're talking 
by my friend George. Lou said, that's my favorite song in the album. I remember that when we were recording it, the engineer turned to me and said, do you have a friend named George? And I said, of course not. <laughs> one, of the, one of the nice things about being a writer is that you can have a friend named George. That's amazing. It, it seems charged with symbolism, like, like George being some kind of a heroic figure, sort of like, like XTC's Peter P- the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead, or like any of those these songs that kind of have like a central figure that's like pretty clearly meant to be something greater than just what it seems. Um, I still can't get a handle on like what the like emotional tone that he's striking is supposed to be here. And maybe that's part of the point of the song is that, you know, you you can bring to it whatever you want. But it's like I I can't tell if this is like if it ends in a satisfied, like a happy kind of way or a sad kind of way. Or if there isn't even an ending. My interpretation of the song is that it's sort of about this this person who's larger than life, who like you're aware of and is kind of able to enact this like righteous vengeance on, on people that you, you maybe just can't like this kind of like hand of justice that is just totally crazy and like doesn't fit in to the world. But, but like, it's about, you're it's aware about of Lou. Him. It's about Lou himself as well. Cause it ends by him saying, or it's about the narrator, you know, whoever right. if we want to call that Lou, the fight is my music and the stick is my sword. And you know that I love you, so please don't say a word. Can't you hear the music playing the anthem? It's my yeah. call. And the last I seen of George was him running through the door. Right. It's it's about being inspired by somebody in a way, or the idea of uh, whatever George represents. It it, it like rubs right. off on the people that are his friend. Like my friend George is like saying, I also like kind of like I'm aligned with this whatever he is. Have you guys ever had a friend that? Maybe not even a friend, just a, a stranger approach you who appears for like, on a completely different level to you, either like totally disheveled and maybe having like a really rough go of it and like, or, or you know, you, you come across like a, a friend of yours is going through a really hard time and they haven't made sense talking mm. to you in years, but then they say this a really profound thing like they almost snap out of it for a moment and they say something that sort of like rocks you to your core mm-hmm. and you're like shit he's, they're still in there and then whether or not it disappears again it's like sometimes it takes being like bottomed out to like be able to like see things and call them as they are and so i think he yeah i just i just love the idea of a guy who's five foot six has a killing <laughs> stick you know lou hasn't seen him in like a maybe violent short years. man you just love the idea yeah. of a short guy and then he, kicking gives him ass. A, he gives him a pep talk and then runs away <laughs> i just i don't know i love that story it is uh it is a distinctly lou reed type of lyric and story like who else but Mm-hmm. This man would fucking come up with this particular concoction. Wow, I, I have some incredible real time uh, updates on the, in the world of Lou Reed right now. Um, my friend Seth just texted me that he's he's in Lower Manhattan in 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 Fide, in in the building that I went to culinary school in actually, which is also a mall, and uh, they're at Brookfield Place. There is a performance happening right now of uh, Lou Reed's musical drones performed by Stuart Herwood. 
uh, and then Tai Chi demonstrated. It's it's in promotion of tai, uh, the Tai Chi book, The Art of the Straight Line, My Tai Chi by Lou Reed. It's happening as we speak. There's uh, a drone Whoa. performance in a mall in Fidei in in honor of the great man on his birthday we should say it's oh, his birthday today is his today. birthday that's right happy 80th right. birthday 80 81 81 81 81 so i i literally just got sent this video of of uh drone music being played in the middle of this marble mall with a balenciaga store in it wild that's the kind of shit i want to see only that's in new shit. york yeah new york High I hope, in the city. I, I hope that Seth is high in the city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I got the time. I got my feet. Let's go hit the street. High in the city. High in the city. He's just vibing here. He's uh, vibing, you know. man. He's got the steel drums going. He's got the fucking horns on this one. Like he's just having a good time. This is rock and roll. Yeah, it's reggae. Uh, well, it's it's actually not. It's reggae. <laughs> no, I mean it's the rock and roll energy. So this is rock, it's This has got the yeah. rock and roll heart. It's yeah, the rock and roll exactly. heart, and it's reggae music. Don't want to talk uh, politics like, yeah. today. I feel too good. Let me have my way. I'm high yeah. in the city. That's yeah. We all feel that. That. that Amen, you know. This is like I don't kind want to talk of, about politics. Kind of like, you know, I like to think that this that like maybe someone from the UB40 crew heard this and was like, "Huh. <laughs> we should start a reggae band." You're giving him a lot of credit for this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those steel drums like make me crack up every time. Went? I know. They, they I just know. come They're, out of nowhere. Like they don't show up anywhere else on the record, anywhere else in the catalog as far as I can remember right now. And there's a couple just, of instruments that can come out of nowhere and always work, you know, like harmonica. It sure. just works. Chuck it on anything. And uh steel drums I think is you could put that in any context. <laughs> and it all, the steel drums always work is what you're saying. Yep. All right, we we gotta we gotta look forward to some steel drums on the next yeah. Alcam record. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I've definitely attempted in the past, like with digital ones, like fake ones. You know, but, Robert Palmer uh, used a lot of steel drum stuff. I feel like you could, you could, you could pull off some some of what he uh, take off where he left off. You know, I really he was born wanna... on Malta. That's why he's an island boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I, I, re- I mean, I've, I'm such a fan of Robert Palmer, and it coming up more and more. I think I'm approaching maybe the, the age where I might, you know, obviously would have to work so much on my voice to get to even. Oh, like, I mean, he was kind of like crazy He's, talent, like even just as a arranger and stuff. I mean, yeah. Don't even get me started. But um, I mean that like well, you know you that, come on for the Robert Palmer cast. Oh yeah. When oh we, yeah. When please. We do it. Please, please, please. But please. I guess now we have to talk about the Great Defender. Wait, where are we? The Great Defender, <laughs> oh, down, right. yeah, better yeah, known yeah, as yeah. Down at the Arcade. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Depending on where you're looking, uh, you know. <laughs> what do you do? I do we have to talk about this? He's just yeah, you know, time. right? Yeah, I prefer uh, if it ended at High in the City. I kind of love that this record begins and ends with the dumbest songs. 
And in between, there's like there's so much depth and texture there from new sensations, the song to turn to me to doing the things we want to to what becomes a legend most like that middle run is just fucking as meaty and intense and hardcore as anything you get on almost any other Lou record. But it starts and ends with just these complete lobotomized visions of like consumer culture in 1984. Right, right. Well, it's it's interesting. It's like an entry and then an exit point. Is that you come in through the thing that you're familiar with? I show you all this fucked up shit, and then you leave with something you're familiar with. So exactly. The experience yeah. in between may not fuck you up too much. Um, I'm almost, I'm almost like, by the time the record gets this song, I'm either like spent and need to think about it, or I really want to take it back to the beginning. That's what That's like, exactly. I've definitely noticed in the last yeah. little while. It's a Mobius strip. This leads directly into back into "I Love You, Suzanne." Right. Uh, if you if you want it to yeah and honestly i'd rather listen to i love you suzanne so i'm always like mm, I'm itching yeah, to get back to the let's start get to the end of this one yeah 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 wow oh. i'd rather just listen to high in the city again great defender is fine high in like, the city is awesome i mean just the end of this record going from my friend george to high in the city to down in the arcade is really just a down completely whacked mm-hmm. out trilogy to to close things up uh mm. and just got to give it to him for the chutzpah sequencing it's, it's those rooted three. in the 50s but it's hearts in 1984 that's right that is, and if you really like it then i'll sing it for you once more once more <laughs> that's where this lyric is so I, that's why i can't fuck i can't i've got i can't rule this song out that's where that lyric is yeah hey, yeah so that's it i'm listening to it every fucking playthrough now <laughs> yeah that's right He's it's the important. great defender. It's the defender of what? The, the spirit of defend, rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's the, the exact? What's the exact lyric? It's, it's. There's a video game called Defender. The, it's uh, rooted in the fifties, but it's hearts in nineteen eighty four. And if you really like it, then I'll sing it for you once more. Defender is a um, a nineteen eighty one video game that is uh, you play as a little spaceship. Right. Okay. Well, all right. It's also got this incredible line the president called me to give me the news i've been awarded the nobel prize in rhythm and blues <laughs> and stevie wonder wants to record one of my songs uh that's I, I take everything i take everything yeah actually the i said song's back. great i take everything i said back he's in full bimbo mode here uh, it's, the fucking, it, it's so good i totally forgot those lyrics were in this song it's great Jeez. Yeah, we all th- love this song now, I guess. Yeah, 100%. This is the all best right, song well, on the record. <laughs> I have to ask now, it's that time. How many stars do you give this record Ugh. out of three? Do we have to come to a consensus? Out of three, huh? Everyone uh, gets we, their... We you do you get to get your three. own number. Okay, pick. My, my system's out of five with no points. No, but that's actually, not no, valid actually, here. So okay. it's actually just three. You Evan's very three. particular about this, okay. Alex. Okay. I'm not no, particular. No, no. I'm just telling you the law. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. That's why I was saying my system is different. Actually, I can do points. Can you do points or is it one, two, or three? It's as simple as it sounds. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, do you want me to go first? Please. You're the guest. I love this album. I adore it. And I, I give it two out of three. All right. You give it two out of three. Okay, this is. I hope everyone. I hope Stephen Hyden is listening somewhere out there because this is a an object lesson in how the the three star system works. You you got it on your first try. Sometimes an album that you think is wonderful 
is two out of three. Yeah, it's I, I adore it, and I can listen to it every day. But there it's it a is. two out of three. I agree. <laughs> is that two for people me have, as well. Do people have trouble with that? Oh, people struggle so hard. People like it's like they're swimming upstream when I tell them about the three stars and right. I, well, but you got it on your first try. Like the idea is that it can mean, uh, you know, several things at once. You can, right. You don't have to take it so. Well, so our, our, our system when we're on tour is uh, out of five. You can okay. go to you can go up by point fives. Your system for for what? For everything. <laughs> um, okay. And zero is so bad you die, and five is so, so good you die. Mm. So there's no perfect, and there's no absolutely bad unless you die. Um, right. And so when new people come into the into the crew and and I'm like sort of take a bite for an apple and I'm like, okay, and then someone's like, give me a bite and I give them a bite right we share the apple, and they're like, that was a really really good apple. I'm like, I know right, it's like one of the better ones you can get. And then and I'm like, what do you give it out of five? And they're like five. And I'm like, no, it's a three point five. <laughs> right? You can't. See, yeah, you, you can't be handing out full marks. You're you're uh, you're sort of on the money there. I I would say though that. There was a part of me that wanted just to give this three. Yeah, because, yeah I hear you. you know, I felt like you guys were working your way up to three. I thought we were, but I, I gotta wanted stick to it make two, this. Because I did Legendary Hearts three and Blue Mask three. I can't be just yeah, hanging out willy-nilly there are, threes. There are Lou records that I want 100%. Well, that's know. another mistake in that you can't be thinking about the past. Like well, that. That's true. I can't help it. You gotta, you gotta, gotta think be, about it. Yeah, it's gotta be unbiased. It's gotta be pure. It can't be contextualized. The score but, is the score. Actually, it also can. So, um, it's a must. see, it's this must. is why no one understands the three-star system is because you <laughs> yeah. say one thing and then you say the exact opposite. Well, it takes like, on whatever metaph- metaphysical qualities you want it to at any given moment. That's why it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, mm. Thank you so much for joining us, hey, Alex. This was an absolute me. delight. I couldn't have thought of a, a more perfect guest to talk about new sensations by Lou Reed with. Uh, this was. Uh, we couldn't have come up with anyone else who has been no. listening to this record yeah, yeah, nonstop true. in a 2001 Lexus for the yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah, true. It's it's it's. I've been. I'm I'm a real fan of the podcast, so I I appreciate you having me on, and it's great talking to you guys. Well, we're, we're a real fan of you and Roy. And and do you have anything coming up? Any shows? Um, where we just finished our tour, so I'm actually. You know what? What? When is this? When is this coming? When is this going to be out? Monday. Monday. All right, we're doing a, a a month of shows at the at the Cara Hotel in Thai Town. Oh, hell yeah! Uh, so we're gonna be doing it. They're small shows. You're gonna have to RSVP, and uh, afterwards we play. Um, we get a bunch of like decks of cards, and we just play cards. Everyone can play cards. Wow, get your own yeah. game going. Come on, play some cards. We're gonna play cards after the show every Wednesday night at the Cara Hotel. So that's what that's what I've got coming up. Beautiful. Every Wednesday in March. Joker man. Down at the arcade, the defender is there. Down off of Broadway, he's there playing his games. It's very dangerous, putting money down on Ubertron. Oh, I'm the great defender, and I really know just how to get along. Down at the arcade, down at the arcade. Down at the arcade, down at the arcade.